friends, and welcome to The Seeker Podcast at Service of Change, where we challenge reality, question that which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Snappy II, with Service of Change, where you can read my book for free, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, at serviceofchange.com slash I Am Human. You'll also be signed up for the free weekly Seeker newsletter with exclusive content from me, my thoughts and opinions on each week's podcast, and much, much more. Check out Service of Change, click on our forum tab, and uh, join the discussion as well. It's a new forum. Uh, you know, people are starting to join, but again, not a lot of members. I'm asking you to join and just be a part of the discussion. Want to hear what you have to say about this show and every other show. There's uh, spots in there to, to comment and have that discussion. Tonight's show, the truth about aliens. I don't know if I have the truth, but I do have a lot of different information that I can steer you towards and you can draw your own conclusions. That's the most important thing as a truth seeker is to draw your own conclusions. More importantly, never stop asking questions. And in this game, it is such a complex issue. Now, it really started to gain momentum, I'd say back in the 80s and 90s when this started to come out with with uh, authors and researchers like Bud Hopkins, Whitley Strieber, uh, among many others, as they had their breakthrough novels coming out. Carla Turner was another big one who had a lot of good information sharing these experiences. Uh, so a lot of people have come out and said, hey, something strange has happened. I think they're aliens. And they have their own reasons for saying that. Uh, you know, But I want to explore that a little bit and understand that these, these talks of of aliens or these creatures and these beings goes back much, much further than just the 80s and 90s. It goes back much further than, than this century, than this millennium. It goes back very far. I'm going to talk about some different sources that may allude to that possibility. But I want to start by uh, you know sharing a memory that I have from my college years. I was, uh, I guess, a sophomore or junior in college, and I took a course called The Structure of the Universe. It was through, run through the physics department, taught by the physics chair. And this, was, this course has stayed with me forever because it was such a powerful course. The, um, you know, one of the assignments that we did, he, he took a bunch of us and stood us in line. Everybody had a different object that represented um, you, you know, the, our solar system. And he gave somebody literally a tiny piece of dust. And he had them stand at one end of the hallway and he gave somebody else a basketball, full-size basketball, and had them stand probably about 100 yards away. 
picture the length of a football field. And he said, this is an approximate scale of our solar system with this distance representing the distance between the earth and the sun. And at that end, holding the piece of dust, that's the earth. And at this end, holding the basketball, that's the sun. So that was a great way to interpret the scale model for me in my head of, of what our planet is in comparison to the sun. Now, I want you to go to the show notes on this page at servicetochange.com for this podcast. And there's going to be a YouTube video there that illustrates this, I think, even better. It starts out with the moon and it goes up through every planet in our solar system. And it shows the sun and it shows how tiny our earth is compared to the sun. Again, it's a mere speck. And then, so you're thinking, wow, that sun is just massive. And then it goes and it shows, I'd say maybe seven to 10 more suns within our our galaxy. Okay, seven to 10 more suns and the size of the final sun that they show you in this video is so massive compared to our sun, which is the size of a pinhead in this video. Okay, so that is how big and that's just in I think they said that's just in our galaxy and there are hundreds of billions of galaxies. So I I just want you to have that in mind while you're thinking about this possibility. Are we alone in the universe? Because the whole point of this course that I took, the structure of the universe, was to describe how big, how massive and expansive this universe is. And my professor told me on the first day of school, on the first day of class, he says, please don't ask me if I think there's life outside of earth there's aliens he says i will address that issue on the last day of class so i waited the entire semester i could not wait for that last day of class for his explanation i will share with you his surprising answer at the end of this podcast so stay tuned but it was it, it I, i've never stopped thinking about what he said to me it has always resonated with me so let me jump into this for a minute, though. So aliens, what are aliens? Something that comes from another planet, basically. And you see now, lately you see the traditional uh, face of the, the gray beings with the large eyes, the big bulbous heads, and the skinny body. And that, that was made popular, again, through Whitley Strieber's book, Communion, that came out in... Uh, let's look back here. I'm looking at his book now. Uh, looking for the copyright, forgive me. Looks like 1987 is when this book came out. Uh, yeah, by Wilson and Neff. So 1987, Communion came out. I just want to read an excerpt from it. He, he went through a hypnotic regression. And during that regression, he's, he's, he has a memory. It comes back. And he, I'm just going to quote him for a minute. He said, <clears throat> uh, oh, I feel like I'm going to throw up in a minute. I'm sorry. Oh, God. You know, I didn't know there was anything in my house till just that second, that night on the 4th of October. Weeps. Ah, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh boy, scared the devil out of me. Sorry about that. I didn't expect this to be that bad because if I was prepared for being scared on the 26th, I did not know that anything had come into my house. Oh well, it was there. Can you tell us? You know, it's dark. It's, it's like a little man with a hood on or something. It looks like this, you know, there's no head. He's covered in something. And he comes over to the bed and he starts like sticking something in, not into my head, you understand? But like, it was sticking into my mind. It would make a noise like a voice. It was terrible. 
So this is just a brief description of, of uh, Whitley Strieber's encounters, and they get a lot more graphic and a lot more detailed, but he started waking up in the night and finding these short little creatures that would sometimes do things to him while he was in his bed. Sometimes they would take him out of his room into a craft. Now, what I admire about Strieber is that he doesn't ever come out and say these are definitely aliens. He proposes it's a possibility. But even in a recent article through his website, Unknown Country, he says, we don't know what they are. I mean, he's, he made comparisons to the old, excuse me, to the old fairy lore that came out, um, you, know, you know, way, way ancient times, um, talking about the fairy folk and, and the things that they used to do. He said they were very similar stories to that. And I'm going to, I'm going to discuss that in a little bit more detail in a minute. Um, but my point is, we see a flying saucer and some advanced technology, and we automatically assume, many of us automatically assume, well, I've never seen that before on Earth. That has to be alien technology. And I want to cautious, caution us on that. Now, I'm not saying none of this stuff is alien, because there's some other good research that's out there um, you know, that, that suggests, yes, something did come from somewhere else. Um, you know, and, and I'll get into that, you know, like if you look at the works of, of Michael Tessarian, you know, some of the things that he talks about coming from another planet and, and Zachariah Sitchin has his work and his following, um, what he talks about with the Anunnaki and Ray Davis has done a great job. Uh, he's a friend of the show as well, doing his research into the Anunnaki and what came out of Sumeria. So I'm not discrediting that at all, but I want to caution us for a minute and direct our attention just to kind of keep our minds open as truth seekers in thinking that, well, the earth itself is 4.5 billion years old. So why do we assume that in all that time, we are the first things to evolve as intelligent life that is capable of something? I mean, if 4.5 billion years, that's a one heck of a head start that something could potentially have on us that may be able to remain secret and hidden, and we'd have no idea, but it's an Earth-based creature. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk of the hollow Earth theory and beings and races of people that live within the center of the Earth and in, in the, the underground caverns, the underground tunnel systems, the underground cities. Uh, you know, so there's that possibility as well that I want to address. But I want to talk for a minute. I want to direct your attention to, to uh, Graham Hancock and his book, his book called Supernatural Meetings with the Ancient Teachers of Mankind. Now, if there is a book for you to read besides communion, I want to direct you to this one by Graham because when I say my mind was blown when I read it, he makes, I mean, he takes you back from cave paintings and ties them in very well to modern day abduction scenarios. I'm not going to ruin it and tell you how he does that, but I do want to quote something. He's talking about um, author and researcher Jacques Vallée and the fairy connection. So I'm going to read from Graham's book for a minute. And he said, the modern global belief in flying saucers and their occupants, wrote Vallée, he's quoting Vallée here, is identical to the earlier belief in the fairy myth. These entities described as pilots of the craft are indistinguishable from the elves, sylphs, and luttons of the Middle Ages. Through the observations of unidentified flying objects, we are concerned with an agency our ancestors knew well and regarded with terror. 
We are prying into the affairs of the secret commonwealth. And then later on in that same section, under Ferry Knolls and Skyships, he writes, Valet's dark hint about prying into the affairs of secret commonwealth is derived from the title of, the, of a book, The Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns, and Fairies, published in 1691 by the Reverend Robert Kirk, a church minister of Aberfoyle in Scotland. Like a powerful shaman, Kirk was rumored to possess the second sight. By means of this gift, he claimed that he regularly encountered the small, unpredictable, often dangerous supernaturals, given many different names by many different cultures in many different epochs that have been classed for about a thousand years through the Celtic fringe of Western Europe under the broad rubric of fairies, fey, feta, fairy, etc., etc. Europe, uh, based on his distinct and powerfully felt experiences, Kirk described these fairy tribes as a distinct order of created beings possessing human-like intelligence and supernormal powers who live and move about in this world invisible to all save men and women of the second sight. My point in sharing this excerpt is there's good research out there that this goes back a lot further than modern day. Now, it may have become more mainstream now, but then again, there's a lot of stories about fairy lore, fairy folk, people afraid to go out in the woods at certain times or afraid of the fairy circles because they're going to get taken by the fairies. And and I, I don't want to ruin it, but Graham does a great breakdown of all the fairy lore, or I can't say all, but a lot of the fairy lore in this book. And when you're reading it, you're going, wow, that's pretty similar to, uh, you know, to the alien abduction scenarios that we hear about today. Now... Who are the fairies? Does that mean that they're earth-based? No, definitely not. There's no, you know, there's not strong evidence either way. Maybe they are some alien race that came from somewhere else. Maybe the fairies are earth-based, but maybe there is an alien race that has come down to this planet that works either with them or against them. I don't know. I don't know that anybody knows, or if they do, they're not sharing it publicly with us. It's up to us to decide. But but there is good, strong research out there that I think that makes at the very least a strong argument that, hey, we are not alone as far as human level intelligence is concerned on this planet with, of equal or greater technology or manipulation of the energies of this planet and of us. Too many people have reported these nighttime encounters with these types of beings in these advanced craft. Now these craft may be very old or they may be very modern. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I'm hoping that we're going to start thinking about this. Now if you look back at going as far back as the Bible, and this is another popular one. They talked about this on the Ancient Aliens, uh, you know, TV show, which I want to talk about in a minute. But, you know, quoting from Ezekiel where he says, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. A great cloud with raging fire engulfed itself, and brightness was all around, and it was radiating out of its mist like the color of amber out of the mist of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnshine bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four faces and wings... Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. And it goes on to describe them in a little bit more detail. 
Now that's the Bible. Now ancient astronauts theorists say, you know, this is this is you know strong evidence that these are aliens, and it, it, it could allude to that. That and at the very minimum, that's an alien concept to somebody of that time. A flying craft with these beings with these strange faces and feet definitely doesn't sound human, or it doesn't sound human of that time. Something with some level of advanced technology. <clears throat> My only caution is we always, no, I can't say always. I'm sorry for generalizing. I just get lost in the show. But we sometimes tend to generalize and say, well, it's foreign to me. It must be alien from another world. I don't, I don't know that. But at this point in the game, does it matter? And yes, to an extent it does, but does it really matter? We're losing sight of the fact that there is something else out there in here something else that is going on here that we need to at least acknowledge that it exists and then we can do our due diligence to better determine hey where do they come from but until we can somehow as a society come to the understanding that hey we're not alone and that doesn't matter if they're from the earth or if they're from some other planet or from some other dimension once we can collectively come to that agreement, then we can start to move forward and I think accept it and, may, and get a better understanding of these things. But there, there, there's so much debate back and forth now and part of it is because we start quoting things that maybe aren't the strongest of sources sometimes and I'm very guilty of it. I'll, I'll quote a headline I saw on Facebook as fact sometimes and I get into a debate about it and then I realize I didn't read the article. I don't know enough about it. You know, so I... So what I want to avoid is that if you're having a conversation, because sometimes I talk to people and they, they mention the word aliens. And me, someone as open-minded as me, someone who does a podcast like this, who's writing a book on these subjects, in my head, in my mind, I'm rolling my eyes. And I stop myself because there's just this connotation that we sound kind of crazy. And even when I met, meet somebody else who thinks just like me and mentions the word aliens, I'm like, okay, how nuts is this person? And I'm trying to undo that. And I, I stop myself and I, I listen to what they have to say. And, and nine times out of ten, it's an intelligent conversation. So, I'm, But I'm trying to change that stigma because if, if me, someone who's as interested in this stuff as me, is still tending to roll my eyes a little bit sometimes or, pro or proceeds with caution, well, what about somebody that's not as open-minded? How are they perceiving this type of information? But if we can continue to put out good, solid research on this stuff, I think that we can find uh, you know, some, some better answers here or get some more support for this type of research. Uh, you know, uh, and let's talk about Bill Cooper for a minute. You know, for those of you who are familiar with Bill Cooper and his work, I think he's such an interesting man and the things that he has done and the things that he's uncovered and, and I'm really uh, taken by his story. Um, if you haven't heard of him, go back and list, just Google him and look, listen to him on YouTube. You know, he, he, he had, I'd say, one of the first podcasts. You know, he did what was called The Hour of the Time. And I think he was doing a nightly radio program from his home talking about all sorts of conspiracy theories. But one of his claims was that when he was in the military, he was shown top secret evidence, documents, um, that UFOs and aliens existed. So he was a huge, there's a lot of stuff out there. He was a huge advocate talking about these aliens and their relationship with the U.S. government. He talks about, um, you know, the story of EB, extraterrestrial biological entity, how it met with one of our presidents. And now I'm drawing a blank figures because I'm on the air. I want to say Eisenhower, please correct me if I'm wrong, at, at a secret location. Anyway, fascinating story that he tells. But years later, he changed his tune. 
And he started to say, well, there's no aliens. It's a lie because they're preparing a false flag attack. They're going to stage an alien invasion. But it's not really aliens. Be prepared for that. And then he was killed. So I've yet to, I've done a lot of digging. I have yet to find why he changed his tune. So if any of you listeners out there know why Bill Cooper suddenly changed his tune, what information did he come into that caused him to change his mind? Please send me a message. Go to servicechange.com, click the contact tab, because I don't know. I don't know why he changed his tune. You know, I can speculate all day, but what did he come across? I have not found in his in his uh, hour of the time broadcasts what made him change his mind. I'm sure it's out there because he, he was very, you know, uh, open with a lot of his stuff and where he got things from because he, he he was big on don't just believe me for what I'm saying. Here's the sources. Go do your own research. And he would give you the sources and the links for that as well. So if you have that, please check him out. Um, we're, we're just about out of time for the show. I hope I didn't get too sidetracked talking about different things and, and just sharing with my opinion. But there's so many works out there of, of stories of abduction um, and, and encounters and then there's other great research that's out there talking about, uh, you know, and it, some of it ties into the ancient astronaut theory, and, and there's a lot of good information about it. And, you know, what, what I think is, is strong arguments is when you listen to the, the creation myths of, of uh, a lot of the Native American stories. I know the, the Hopi talk about our space brothers who came down. And, um, y- you know, when you start looking into that and you start seeing corroboration between cultures that are separated by vast, vast, vast distances and sometimes even time periods, it it really makes you wonder, you know, what did they see? What did they know? Um, Where I start to get some red flags that come up is when, when somebody has an experience and they report in their books that, well, these, these beings are from such and such a planet because these beings told me that. I'm not discrediting the experiencer at all by saying that. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that when when I worked in intelligence, you know, we had to verify the, the reliability of our sources. And these beings, whoever they are, have demonstrated that they can't always be trusted because they have pulled some deceptions and some lies and things to confuse people. So since they have that tendency for deception in the past, we can't necessarily believe what they're saying all the time. Can't take it on face value is my point. So I just hope that we keep an open mind in our research, do our due diligence. Uh, There's a lot of great work out there. And and again, I mentioned him once, but he's such a good friend of the show. Ray Davis has a great book, Anunnaki Awakening. Check it out. Uh, You know, if you want to look into some of the, the, um, it's a fictional book, but it's got, it's tied into all the, all the, the facts and evidence that are out there. He does a great job of presenting that story and putting it into a a pretty clear picture. So uh, I'll have a link to to his stuff on the show notes for this one again, just because I I think it's relevant. I know Ray has a lot of good stuff to say about this. So uh, that's all the time I have. Again, a lot of resources that that I've I've listed here. Again, uh, some, some authors that I like, 
that, that I didn't get to talk about tonight. Uh, Dr. Courtney Brown, author of Cosmic Voyage and, and Cosmic Explorers, anything written by Carla Turner, she tells some fascinating stories, and she advocates that these things, she, she claims that they're aliens, but she, she advocates that they are not our friends. They are here to harm us. And she actually has something that corresponds. I'm going on a tangent here, but she talks about in one of her books, I can't remember the title of it, Masquerade of Angels, about a little black box and what that black box does. Now, I just finished reading Dolores Cannon's book, Keepers of the Garden, and they also contain a little black box that does something similar, in, in my opinion. Um, so two people, you know, I don't know that they know each other, but their, their information or evidence that came through is, uh, is similar, has a similar object involved in it when you, when you read those two books. Um, my point is, there is something out there. There is something going on, and it is affecting humanity. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, you know, my opinion, I don't think it's in our best interest right now based on the evidence that I've been shown. Are they alien? Are they human? Are they Earth-based? I don't know. I'm asking you to find out. And let me know when you do. And I promised you I would talk about my professor's response to aliens being uh, in this universe. So after the end of that course, let me jump back. He tells us the universe is infinitely large. It's so big. There's infinite possibilities. It's basically, he spent an entire semester telling us how infinite things are and how possible things are. At the end of the course, he says, so in regards to aliens, I don't think they exist because the conditions have to be just so perfect as they were here to start life on Earth. I don't see how this could happen more than once. I wanted to scream. I wanted to scream. I said, you spent this whole course telling us how big and infinite this universe is, but now you're going to tell us that out of all that vastness, we are the only place that has life. So it completely contradicted everything, and I regret not arguing with him. And I actually think I may look him up uh, after this show just to, uh, to challenge him on that because I wonder if he wanted to be challenged. That's always bothered me. We're going back, oh geez, 12 years now, I think, since I had that course. So I got to see if I can track him down. But I was kind of all over the place again tonight. Uh, I hope you're able to follow what I was talking about. I hope you get, I gave you some good uh, books to look into, some research, some starting points to get into. Uh, please check it out. Let me know what you think if you have any other information. And, uh, and that's all the time I have. Again, servicechange.com slash I am human. You get subscribed to the secret newsletter. You can read I am human for free. If you're a new author or you're looking to get published, please hit me up. Just go to the contact form. Tell me about your work. I can help you out uh, with Service of Change Publishing as well. We have uh, a vast amount of resources to help you format your book, whether it's for paperback, whether it's for Kindle or ebook, any in any format. And uh, I can help you move forward and get that book published under the Service of Change label. So thank you for listening. I'm Dennis Nappy, the second with Service of Change. This has been the Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning and keep an open mind. Thank you.
Welcome to Truth Seekers.